0: Forever.
1: Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in time to tonight, tonight or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh Thrilled to talk to all three of you. This is a great group, and I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourselves on your microphones so that the listener knows what you sound like. Tell us who you are. Tell us uh, maybe somewhere they may have seen your name on their TV screen or elsewhere. Um, and Lucas, let's start with you, please.
2: Hi, I'm Lucas Browneyes. I'm Oglala Lakota. I'm a TV writer. I've written for shows like Young and Hungry, Casey Undercover, Alexa and Katie, as well as sold a few pilots. And I'm currently working on uh, a show for Latoya Morgan and J.J. Abrams called Duster, soon to be on HBO Max.
3: Great. Thanks, Allie. Hi, uh, I'm Allie Shouten, also a TV writer, also got to work with Lucas on Young and Hungry. Um, and yeah, I have mostly stuck around in the comedy space and, and currently the co runner of the iCarly revival, which we started writing season two last week.
1: Woo. Congrats. <laughs> and Alyssa? Um,
0: so I haven't gotten to work with Lucas yet, but <laughs> I hope I do soon. <laughs> And um, I'm a co-creator and showrunner on, co-showrunner um, on uh, the live-action um, HBO Max show Made for Love, um, and then the uh, soon-to-be on Adult Swim animated um, comedy uh, Teenage Euthanasia.
1: Alyssa, I wanted to ask, considering these um, disparate projects. Mm. Is there a difference? I mean, you've also you've written novels, you've written short stories. (laughs) Is there a difference in all of these media and the way you approach the storytelling or the writing itself?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, for for it also, I think, depends kind of on like where the project is is at. You know, for um, for development, you know, kind of for both, um, you know, animation and, and live action sort of, you know, depending on either, you know, who it's who it's for or where I'm hoping it it will be homed. You know, that might kind of influence what I'm putting into it. But, you know, definitely kind of for for live action in terms of production, you're, you know, limited by um a budget you know and and location and like laws of physics in a way that you know for animation um it, it's just really freeing not to be uh you know just that um they they can do all of that stuff but then you know for all all of those freedoms there are different trade-offs you know than with animation because it's um it's such a long production calendar um like you know I think from kind of like uh, script finished to, you know, sort of like first airing. Now we're looking at like, you know, 16, 17 months. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big lead time, you know, that, um, that, that you have to, to know things. Um, and then just sort of like all of the communication kind of between, you know, what, how you think that things, you know, are, are going to look and kind of conveying that, to artists and getting their ideas and and working back and forth um yeah I, I I think it's uh it you know for me it it's quite different um the two uh and and it's really really fun you know to to kind of get to have different uh creative constraints you know and and kind of figure out ways to to work within both of those
1: yeah absolutely uh, and we'll pick that up in a sec, but Ali along the same lines you know you've worked on a number of different kinds of shows shows with different tones sometimes wildly different tones (laughs) um i want to ask like in approaching iCarly, again was it a different way of thinking this is a a reboot whereas everything you've worked on before seemed like i think it was all pretty much all original material um you know again like what's the thinking that goes into a different mode of storytelling for uh well
3: i mean it's really nice to have that sandbox to play in and have these characters that are already beloved. And uh, you can always look to so many great previous episodes to see what they did in those situations and how that would inform what they're gonna do as adults. Um, so I think kind of the unifying factor, and I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're asking, is I think you always have to find your way in and your personal relationship to the material, regardless if that's your own original pilot Or you're coming in on staff to a reboot and, you know, you don't have to come up with anything original. You just have to like make it work and make it funny, which is a huge task in and of itself. Um, So I think regardless of of what that is and what the tone is, it's about what what can I lend to this project from my experience, from my voice um, and from just my sense of fun. I mean, I think that even just like being in the joke room with Lucas back in the old days. Uh, you know, I, I remember there were times when I would be like, Oh, okay, well last week a joke got in that was like this. And, and like, so I'm going to try this and those would never work. It was always just the stuff that made me laugh. That would be what would get in. And so it, it's like, yes, you need to write within the voice of the show, but really it's about finding where you can relate to that.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And Lucas, I assume you're sort of tackling a similar thing. You know, there's a big difference between young and hungry uh, and this um Dusters show. Yeah, a crime thriller in the 70s.
2: Yeah, <laughs> there's a slight difference. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I I I echo everything that Allie said, and and, and I will say this Allie's jokes that were just purely Allie, <laughs> like they got in all the time. Um and then it's but but it's funny because you, you you know, you you do all that math and you try to put it in there. And just by the because that show did so many jokes, by the nature of like you trying to do it. I feel like people get lost in the numbers, but really it's not about like Mm. how many jokes get in. It's about like the quality and what you're doing um, to like service the show and and how you're, how you're doing that. So, um, but yeah, I mean that has nothing to do with that. That was just a random thought in my head, but yeah, it's completely different. (laughs) Um, I mean, I've gone from what a romantic comedy multicam to a comedy about a a teenage girl with cancer uh, to a very raunchy, family comedy that I developed for Fox uh, to, yeah, crime thriller. And then I did a horror in between. Um, Yeah. I'm definitely genre agnostic for me. (laughs) I, I, I focus on the story and the characters and um, especially with development, if it's like the best story for me, if it's the best story that I can tell um, that's kind of what I gravitate to. And when it comes to staffing uh, yeah, I, I look at the, the craft, I think, you know, um, a lot of people, they 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 they're told that you can't you know do one thing or another. Uh, but the truth is you can. Um, the the only thing is it's going to be different because I I also did animation and animation is completely different. Like the, just the entire process is different. So knowing knowing that is really beneficial and knowing the the tone and the craft and and that's kind of where I find the the art and the technical aspect is. You know we're we're all telling our voices and we're all telling these stories that we wanna tell. But if you can match the tone and, and the appropriateness to the show while still bringing that special quality, that's that's why you're being hired. Because the showrunner is like, oh, yes. Um, and in fact, uh, on Young and Hungry, when I when I met, it was like my first showrunner meeting. And I told this story about how I had a Tom Cruise portrait in my house. And like how that was a revenge portrait to annoy one of our roommates. Um, and it was like this long story that actually started with a Stallone portrait and it was just the weirdest thing. And he's like, that's what I knew. That's what I knew. I wanted that weirdness. Um, so it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, you have all these different tones and voices when it comes to genre and craft, it's live action animation, multicam, like, uh, it's very different going from multicam to like a drama where everything's being rewritten before it's shot. And like the budgets are bigger. And you're like, Oh, I didn't know we could do anything. Um, and must be nice. <laughs> you know what? It's going to get me in trouble, but I cannot tell you how, how, how nice it is. sometimes. <laughs> um, Wait, can I, yeah, can I sh-
3: jump in with my story? Cause I also have a story that got me hired on the same show and it Absolutely. might have even been a worse story. Um, but I framed it as a pitch. So that was where I, I, I was like, what if Gabby did this? thing that I, of course, would never uh, do. So I was working as a personal assistant and Gabby um, on the show, Young and Hungry is a chef. And in the pilot episode, uh, she gets a credit card to buy cro- groceries. And I also had a credit card linked to my boss. So I pitched the story of like, what if she gets permission to buy a new blender, but she uses the wrong credit card to buy a new vibrator. And she's just like talking about how much power this thing has and Josh, who she sleeps with in the pilot, is just like, what are you, like, this is totally inappropriate. And, and they were like, we got to hire the vibrator girls. So luckily that didn't exactly happen to me, but I put some like embarrassing non-work purchases on my, uh, not that, but on my uh, boss's credit card at one point. So, also not a good story to tell in an interview. Maybe.
2: But no, that's great. <laughs>
1: Both of these stories really illustrate the thing that I think that showrunners are looking for when they're hiring a room, right? Um, And I wanted to ask um, any of you who have done the hiring, can you tell us a little bit about that process? And like, the reading is one thing, right? If someone's good on the page, well, that's great. Then let's give them a meeting. But the meeting is a whole other, where we are expected to sort of sell exactly what Lucas was talking about, what we bring to a show, what is our voice. Tell us a little bit about sussing that out and who has done that successfully and how.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the first things, you know, that, that just, I think so much of it, and this is the the frustrating thing. Um, I mean, on, on both ends, certainly, you know, as as a showrunner, sometimes it's really frustrating to just see someone like, You'd love to work with, you know, that, that has like all of, all of this incredible talent. And it's like, you only have so many slots, you know, or, or just, you know, given like the, the skill set and the topics, you know, or this particular show, like one, one candidate's, you know, like past experience, you know, makes, um, makes them a better fit than the other. But, you know, it, um, it, it's not, it's not like a judgment against any of, of the people, you know, that, that you don't get to hire, you know, I, I think that's just like so tough on both ends, because there's always this feeling of like, you know, uh, what could I have done, you know, better? Or what could I have said differently? You know, and I think like, sometimes like the frustrating, horrible answer is like, absolutely nothing. Um, you know, but there's also something said, you know, to just like making, you know, a great impression because people certainly do stick, you know, like in, in my mind all the time. And, you know, as we see other projects and other things come up, um, you know, like I, I always remember, you know, like people who I just had great interviews with, you know, and, and really wanted to hire, um, you know, even if it, it didn't work out for that particular project. So that's one thing, but, you know, with all of this stuff, that's not in our control as, as candidates for positions, you know, that, that may make us kind of, um, you know, the chosen one for, uh, you know, for being a fit in any given room or project, you know, I think preparation is, you know, one of the things that is in our control that to me is just huge. You know, there've been so many interviews where, you know, I've I've really liked the person. I'm a fan of their, you know, work on, on the page, just so incredibly talented. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if this is just because like I'm super type A or, or what, but, um, when, when, you know, I'm asking questions or they're coming and, you know, they really don't have a lot to say about the project, you know, and, and kind of clearly haven't put in that like brainstorming, you know, or, or thinking, you know, prep, prep time ahead it leaves me a little bit confused, you know, and, and again, I mean, it it may sort of be obviously like, you know, every, every kind of, you know, showrunner has like, I think different things that they look for in hiring um but i know that when i do interviews kind of that that's something that i think has never hurt you know and something like i really pride myself on you know if if i'm going to take your interview i'm going to respect your time you know like i i'm really going to come with something to offer you you know like uh to give you a taste of sort of like what i might be bringing to the team uh you know just kind of in in terms of you know sample pitches you know like um ali was saying um, you know, in, in terms of personality and also, I mean, like with you know, Lucas is like great example, too. you know, I think like there are just like levels of vulnerability, you know, but also, like depending on the project, you know, just kind of like that willingness to like draw upon you know yourself and your feelings, you know, you, even if it's not kind of in in a way that's shared with the room, just like you know, the the willingness to know that that kind of uh yeah, like you. You get to sort of put yourself in the tapestry, you know, and that you're game for that in a certain way, Um, I, I think is always great. So, I mean, my my number one note would be, you know, just preparation, because even if you're not right for, you know, this particular thing or someone edges you out, you know, uh, due to due to some other detail that is arbitrary and you can't control, you know, like you might really stick with them. You know, is like this is a writer that you know I know like is going to come with ideas. You know, has done the homework. Um, someone I can depend on. You know, I think I think that really is always in your favor.
1: Absolutely, Allie. In addition to that stuff, you know, yeah, putting, together a, <laughs> yeah, um, um, putting together a yeah, absolutely, putting together a multi cam room is a different animal too. Um yeah. Were you looking for a particular skill sets?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I I feel like everybody there's room for everybody's skill set, but you know and and like alyssa was saying, sometimes it's an arbitrary thing, and it could come down to, oh, that person is really great, but like we have very similar points of view, we have very similar skill sets, and like we already have me, <laughs> you know I mean literally that's something that has come up for me um i i I don't know about in terms of multi in particular, obviously you want people who are funny, but i I remember David Holden, who created Young and Hungry, that's like a love fest to him said, if you got to the point of meeting with me, you're funny and you can write. I have to know if I can spend 12 hours a day in a room with you. So it really is about like a personality mesh, which is just totally personal preference. Um, One thing I will say is there's kind of a trend of like, I don't really need this job vibes. And it's really funny to me because there's so many people who want to do this and I feel so lucky to get to do it. And So, for me personally, that attitude doesn't translate at all. I want someone, and this is what I like to do. And that's why I said it's so important to find the way you can relate to a show. If you absolutely hate a show, don't go out for it. But if you can find anything that you like about it that speaks to you, come in and go, Oh, I love how you did this with this show. I'm so excited to meet with you. And I'm such a fan of even just the way you did that one scene in that one episode. Like, find the thing that you're excited about in this show. And then I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Okay, tell me more. (laughs) Like, it's not that you have to kiss my ass. It's more like you have to have done your research and you have to found the way that you can bring it in. And just very specific thing I will say, and maybe this is like particular if you're meeting with a woman showrunner, but like, don't call my show cute. Like, please don't call my show cute. My show's very cute, but like, if that's the nicest thing you can say. And (laughs) I I remember hearing a story about someone who's, interviewing for an assistant job on Young and Hungry who called the show cute. And that was the only thing they had to say about it. And they had to be asked if they'd seen it. They didn't even like volunteer that information. And I'm like, don't, that that stuck with me forever. And so when people go like, yeah, like it's a really cute show. I would just be like, oh, <laughs> I can't. I can't with that. Like funny, smart, interesting, anything else but cute. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it helps to make people laugh. But I, I think I went into some early staffing meetings Um, feeling like I had to come in with jokes and it's really more about like the personality in the moment. If you're coming in and doing a stand-up routine, like that's exhausting. (laughs) Don't do that. Um, Really just see how your personality meshes with the showrunner and see if um, it's a match really. It's it's not even about, are you good enough if you're a match at that point?
1: Yeah, I think that's smart. And I think the, the other, the thing that's sort of underlying all of this is like, this is a job interview. Don't forget that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a, different kind of job interview, where it's also sort of a personality test, right? (laughs) Uh, Lucas, I want to kick this off with you. um, As we talk about this idea of being vulnerable on the page, like you have to get yourself to a certain headspace in order to be successful in whatever draft you're working on, um, whether it's for a show that you're working on, whether it's for your own material, it feels to me like that's a big part of the writing process. How does that look for you? How do you get yourself into that space to start putting words down on the page?
2: That's, that's well, for one, putting words down on the page and being vulnerable. They're like, they're, they're the same, but they're not. So uh, as far as like putting words down, just do it. Like, like there's no there's no magic to it. I mean, it's magic because just doing anything especially when you have ADHD, like me, is it, hard, but like, just do it. It's not magic. Just do it. Just start it. Um, so starting is how you get words on the page. Uh, but as far as being vulnerable, like I, I don't like that. Like, I'm like, Oh no. So odd that I chose the job where that's the job. Like the job <laughs> is to kind of be vulnerable. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's certain elements of it where you don't have to do that, but guess what? It makes you a better writer. Um, putting, putting yourself out there, putting yourself on the page, Really does make you a better writer. Um, so, I like to do a couple of things when when it comes to development. I my number one thing is why am I the best person to tell the story. Um, so I try to make it come from a personal place. Like if I can't do that, if I can't connect to it on that deep of a level, then find find someone else. Uh, so for me, that that's where I start uh, when it comes to development, but as far as like words on a page writing, I, 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 I start with, you know, story, I start with character. I start with what, you know, what, what like has to be done. I outline not because I, I, I like it or want to, but because like, it's, it's better at least for me. Um, <laughs> and, and probably for everyone, but, uh, yeah, so I, I do that, but I find that like where the vulnerability comes out is when I'm, Putting myself in the character in the shoes of this character, like how what 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 would if I was this person in this scenario in this world how how would that make me feel right and and I feel like uh a lot of times people do that without like um putting all the pieces together because like it's not just what would you do in this scenario because you're not that person it's like when people are like, oh, just gender flip the characters I'm like, no, because men and women. They navigate the world differently, so you're going to have to acknowledge that. You're going to have to realize that it's not just, you can't, it's not just flipping a switch. You know, same way is you have to look at like all the scenarios, the person's life, and the characters. Um, and I, you know, I I I I cheat often. I I I mine my life for a lot of stories. I know that's not cheating. That's actually the job. Uh, it just feels like cheating because if you're if if you've if you've done a show. Like I, I've, i you know, I've developed uh, a family comedy once or twice uh, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, I just did five stories because they're just my family and it feels like cheating, but it's not what you're doing is you're mining and that's like part of the job. Um, so it, it depends on, on what you're doing. But I always, I always try to mine that because that's where the best stuff is going to come from is your personal life and, and how you feel the, the, the craft is putting it in Th- this world, these characters, this context.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you mentioned, I mean, I think there's something to, you're not just describing how you would feel in those circumstances. You're empathizing with this character. Yeah. And writing is really an exercise in empathy. I want to hear about that process for each of you. Uh, Alyssa, what does it look like when you are <laughs> trying to get this done? <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, just kind of like in, in terms of, of vulnerability to, you know, I, I think in, in the room, like to me that, that really is kind of like one of the like paramount, you know, jobs just of, of a showrunner and a leadership position, you know, I mean, for there, you know, we We all i think um have i'll speak for myself, but you know i i have a a pretty good feeling you know um maybe I'm wrong, but we've probably all been in in you know creative spaces where we did not feel safe, you know where um we did not feel free right to uh you know to come forward with our ideas or you know to challenge um you know like something that had been raised uh you know where we're kind of um we were walking on eggshells, you know, for one reason or another. Um, And, you know, that I think is really kryptonite to creativity. You know, I, I think just having, you know, having a space where people are, you know, their only concern is kind of like, you know, the brainstorm, the idea, the pitch, you know, thinking about the story and not at all, you know, like, what if this is a bad idea? You know, like, I don't want, you know, someone to make fun of me, right. For, um, for this, I I think like those kind of things just, you know, really, really hamper, you know, kind of, uh, productivity. So, so, I mean, that, that to me is, is huge, you know, I, I think, you know, cultivating a safe space and cultivating a space where, you know, vulnerability, um, isn't just like tolerated, you know, but celebrated like that doesn't happen by accident.
1: Let me dig in on that for a sec. What can you as the showrunner do to cultivate that uh atmosphere in the room?
0: I think listening and and equality you know are are two really huge words um you know, I mean, just kind of you know coming uh. You know, I, I sort of began, you know, a, a long time ago in, in academia, you know, where kind of part of my feminist pedagogy was, you know, that, um, that the classroom wasn't a hierarchy, you know, and, and that's something that, you know, like I, I really try to take in. And, you know, I, I really believe at its core, you know, TV is like, at its core Um, in, in theory, you know, just like the, the way that I I think it functions when it functions best, like TV is like the ultimate democracy, you know um, my favorite moments in rooms, you know, like come out of just like an intensely democratic process. Um, And I mean, the great thing about getting to work so collaboratively in this medium is that like, I don't have to have the best idea every day. Right. You know, like uh, the best idea award, you know, like really is, is just, you know, in, in constant motion. Um, and, and that is fantastic, you know, but it, it only works, you know, if, if everyone feels equally valued, you know, and equally respected, you know, and, and I think like leadership absolutely sets the tone for that. You know, um, I mean, it's one thing to say, like, my door is always open, you know, like, please come to me with any thoughts and concerns, you know, it's a whole, you know, other to, you know, have individuals a trust you enough, you know, that that should that, you know, should something come up? Should there be something they want to say to you? They, um, you know, like they they feel safe in doing so. You know, I mean, they they need to trust, you know, that not only like are you going to take them seriously, you know, but that you are willing to uh, change right Um, process and behavior, you know, in in order to, you know, really make everyone feel comfortable and accommodated, you know. So, I mean, uh, to me, like one of the best indications of leadership is how easily is someone willing to admit when they were wrong? You know, um, that's that's huge. And, you know, in in TV, it's kind of like you're constantly getting, you know, sort of like these different thoughts, you know, and ideas. Um, And, you know, I mean, like nothing delights me more, you know, than like being able to say, oh, that's better. Right. When when a better idea comes up. You know, so I mean, I think like really, you know, also just the practice of, um, of modeling that vulnerability, you know, as a leader in the room of saying, um, Oh, you know what? Like, uh, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. You know, um, Oh, you know, that's a good question. Actually, you know, let's, let's dial back and really, you know, talk through that, you know, be, because I'm glad you raised that concern and it's important. You know, um, you know, just just sort of having everyone really, really understand, you know, that that what I bring up, you know, in, in the room and, and kind of to, you know, like this room's leader is uh, it's really going to matter. Just to echo everything
3: Alyssa's saying, you know, in in our room, one thing I stole from my my college sketch group is that if one person is offended by something, one 14th of our audience is going to be offended by that. Um, and we shouldn't do it. And it's not a question of them having to argue or defend, or we just shouldn't do it. Let's come up with another pitch, um, whether it's a story or a joke. Um, and, you know, saying to people, look, you can bring it up and know that'll be taken care of, or you can text me and I'll be the one to bring it up and it can be anonymous. Um, and then just let's move forward with that. And what I think that that can help do in the best circumstances is provide people with an opportunity for education because they might go, you know, your first instinct is, I didn't mean to be offensive. Why is that offensive? But if you know it's not even about being defensive because we're not doing it, (laughs) it doesn't matter. It's just a learning opportunity. It's, you're just asking in order to be educated about it. You're not asking because you're like, defend thy opinion, (laughs) you know, and this is a duel now. Like it, it just, creates a a different vibe in the room, I think. So I totally agree. There's nothing better than getting to say that that's better. (laughs) Um, And, and it's, it's really great to feel like, okay, I don't know how this is going to work, but I feel like if I go talk to these very smart people, it will work. (laughs) Um, And, and that you can kind of turn your brain off for five minutes at least because you know, that'll work out. Um, But I think that the the last thing I'll say just about vulnerability um, is that for me, I'm someone who loves to talk about myself and tell you all my secrets the moment we meet. Um, and often it can be about, like Lucas was saying, empathizing with your characters and saying, okay, yes, this came from a great personal story I had, but that's not what it's about anymore. Like that's not where the story went. Someone else had this other better pitch to Alyssa's point. And and now we have the opportunity to tell a more interesting story. Like I can save that one as a cheat sheet for a future script, and and being able to to build on your own stories as opposed to when that's where the the room really feels like it's
2: it's got to go. It's an interesting job of having to mine yourself and then remove yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like it's interesting. You you mine your yeah. stories and then you you remove it because you know it's all about this character in this world.
1: That is, yeah. Put perfectly and exactly what I needed to hear right now. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I want to shift gears for a second and ask about what everyone's day looks like these days. I think there's been a lot of talk on Twitter lately, and I think honestly not enough in the past maybe 10 years about like how many projects we all have to take on at a given time. And that's only gotten worse as seasons get shorter, jobs, job lives get shorter, um what do your days look like right now uh what's a typical day for you um anyone who wants to jump in first
2: um well like up until recently i've only done shows with 20 episode orders wow so like uh like a lot of the things that like people talk about i'm like oh okay that's not not really been an issue like even when the seasons were split like we shot 20 in a row i think the shortest season i had before this was 16 um but now i'm doing a show with 10 episodes um and also i'm just at the point where uh like people want to develop they want to do that so like uh my my day would be you know we we got the zoom room um it's it's a great room um hold on
1: i'm i'm going to i'm going to stop you here cuz i'm going to get real specific mm-hmm. what time does your room start 10:30 reasonable
2: very reasonable
1: do you do any of your own work? Do you do any prep work before that starts?
2: It's funny because I just refuse to do homework as a, as as a child. But um, a lot of TV writing when you're when you're on staff is homework. Like if you're not doing a homework, uh, you, you're being risky. I th- I think you should always do homework. I think you should always read the room notes, always come in prepared, um, and do homework. I I know that especially because when you're in the middle to upper level producing levels. Um, it's not just like, there's a little bit more asked of you. Um, and, and what I like to tell showrunners and people is, you know, ultimately, yes, we're all writers. We all want to, you know, be artistic and everything, but I want to make your life easier. Um, and I think if you can do that, if you can make the showrunner's life easier by doing this thing that maybe it's extra work on your part, maybe you weren't asked of it, but if it helps, if it, if it saves this down the line, um, then great. Like if it's even if it's research that, you know, um, see, this is where fancy shows are cool. Like your researcher, you know, we know that we can get a researcher to do do it, but we're going to have to wait a day. Okay, well, if you did that during lunch and you figured it out, you can we can start working on that now and we can figure out that problem now. Um, So even little things like that, uh, you know, that's that's what I try to do with the Zooms. Uh, So, yeah, a lot a lot of my life is a very, very beautiful Zoom hours, which I love. Um, I'm I might be the one person who is like, I don't mind it. This sounds great to me. <laughs> you know, five to six, I may have meetings with people. Um, and then like nine PM, uh, I'll start working on some other things. Um, so like it's it, it is interesting because uh w- with without those boundaries, you you tend to lose yourself. So I think it's good to set up healthy boundaries. I just don't do that. Like I think I think you should um not constantly be in work mode. I have not done that. So this is more of a hey, that sounds great. I'm not doing it. Um, like it'll be 2 a.m. and I'll start working on another project. Um, but um, yeah, so that's kind of uh, how how the average day looks. You know, I, I wake up 10 minutes before any Zoom. Well, 15. You know, you got you got a shower and then you run in with wet hair. Sure.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> like I did today. That's an
1: intense. That's an intense amount of work though over the course of a day. Um, cause I assume you're also during that 90 minute lunch, you're also working.
2: Yeah. I, I frequently don't, yeah. lunch,
1: which is very Absolutely. unhealthy,
2: uh, which is very unhealthy. Uh, I did, I, I have this Tavala meal service that I, that I, I pop in there, run in and then I'll be eating during the room and I'm like, Oh no, this is just cause I, I have, I have to have something to do. Um, no, I'm honest. I say like, Oh, I had meat. Um, so yeah, but that's, that's why I like zoom is cause you can take a meeting very that's quickly. True. You don't. You have to rush to West LA
1: yeah. um,
2: before you couldn't, you couldn't fit in a meeting during your lunch and not miss any of the room.
1: Now you can, which I
3: think right. is great.
2: So keep generals on
1: zoom.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's,
1: yeah. That's a good yes. idea. Yes. Um, I think zoom is making things more efficient, but also, I mean, you'll see as you talked about, like you're also working much longer hours. Um, and then I wonder if that would be the case if you were in a traditional room, I'm not going to let you answer that. Um, Ali, what do you, what does your day look like these days? You just started season two. Is that what you said?
3: Yeah. So season one, um, looked different than I think season two. Well, I wound up running the show on my own and now I have someone who's going to help me and it's amazing. <laughs> um, and I just want to like, just being totally honest. I, I I was producing, and I am producing um, a movie that someone else is writing. Um, so I have been reading drafts of her pages. But from August of last year to July of this year, um, and then for like two weeks during the hiatus, not the case, all I did was I Carly. Like, that's all I did from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., <laughs> on the weekends, shorter hours, but still doing it. Like we were launching a first season show. We had an incredibly fast production schedule. I knew, yeah, it's 13. I should be doing this and that. And I, I didn't have time to do it. Um, and I also think that's okay. You know, I think there's so much pressure now to like be a Superman like Lucas is, and I can't do that. I, I don't, I don't have that (laughs) in me. And, um, I'm usually in person, just, I find it easier, um, especially during production when I have to be on set. But, um, but even now it's nice to be able to just like, I have one of those little hotel adjoining room doors with my kosher runner. And so we just can pop in, you know? And so we start 15 minutes before the room starts at 10. Um, we meet up to talk about stuff either on the phone, um, or usually in person. Um, and I'm always late, especially if I have to get a COVID test um, and I'm, I didn't used to be late. And I'm like such a late person. Um, and so our hours are 10 to about four ish right now with only one hour for lunch. Um, but that's pre production. You know, they'll creep up and everything, but we're doing three day shoots. So our shoot days, you know, this is the one place the multicam has you guys beat. Our shoot days are nine to five with an hour for lunch and that's it. That's uh, three yeah. days a week, Wednesday, Thursday, That's where multicam
2: Friday. just pulls ahead.
3: Yeah. yeah. Like they just shoot <laughs> forward. Yeah. So our writing hours are crazy, <laughs> but our production hours are not. And so now that this season, John will be on set and I'll be in the room all the time. It's just, will I'll actually have five days instead of two in the room and it's going to be great. So, um we're looking at a little more uh, sane of a schedule. We last season had one hiatus built in for 13 episodes. Uh, and uh, we ended up taking one other one, but but this season, like I'm looking at our calendar and it's beautiful. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I have another project I've been working on for literally years. Uh, that's a spec that I wrote that like at some point I'll pitch between seasons. And then I'm producing this, this movie, um, that I'm not writing, uh, which is a blast. Got to get on that racket. That's great. <laughs> um, it's so fun. <laughs> I just get to swoop in and be like, what if you tried this? Okay, bye. <laughs> um, and, uh, we should all be doing that. And, uh, yeah. And then it's really just, I'm really focused on, on this show right now. And, and maybe that bites me later, but, um. And then my other script is I'm planning a wedding. So that's its own beast on top of it.
1: oh you should get your kosher runner to help you with that too
3: oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> like this is part of your job this is
0: why i picked yeah. you
1: <laughs> in fact get the room in on it
0: <laughs> yeah get the, i mean i'm sure i will I'm yeah sure. get the production designer in. Yeah. get costumes yeah I'm, yeah
3: it, maybe i just we do another wedding episode and i just like as a joke <laughs> like i'm down on set <laughs> <laughs>
2: All your writers are like, so that's why you had me research fabric swatches?
3: <laughs> <laughs> fabric swatches? I'm not wearing a couch, Lucas.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people wear couches to weddings. That's what I've heard.
3: It's very
1: hip. It's a very it's a, Okay, damn it. Now, <laughs> yeah, now I
3: will have them on. My upper levels should be on this. They should be doing yeah. their homework and doing extra work. I mean, that's the like homework. The homework is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're like, we haven't cast this character yet, but like uh, her dimensions, just go ahead and use my measurements, you know. Um,
3: Get
1: costumes on it.
3: Whoever plays this role needs to be a certified, ordained minister for no reason. Don't worry about it.
1: Verisimilitude. Uh, Alyssa, oh let's talk about um, how many, what, what kind of projects are you working on now? What is going on? What does your day look like?
0: Yeah, I mean, so we are, we are currently kind of like gearing up for um, the premiere of the um, animated show, Teenage Euthanasia, and that um, the animation studio is in New York, as is my partner, Allison Levy. Um, so at different points, you know, throughout this whole process, just, you know, because I'm in LA, like that part of my day, you know has to start you know between like yeah from like 6 a.m you know at about 10 a.m um right now we are uh in the production office you know for season two on made for love you know so i usually get here um like no later than 10 and then you know uh stay uh a while. Um, I have, you know, all of my toiletries here, you know, like, a, I'm like all set up in terms of like dorm living here, you know? So, um, but I mean, I, I really, I really like that part of it, you know, just like in terms of, um, in terms of like, you know, I mean, growing up, I kind of like never felt, um, like a part of my, my family, you know, so I'm very like vicarious uh, now just kind of like with, uh, with career and, you know, I, I love feeling like a part, you know, of, of something bigger. And, um, you know, I, I just love kind of like that, the, you know, interactions with everyone and, and you know, kind of like all of the different teams. I'm like, I, I really, uh, yeah, it, it, it feels good. So, um, I mean, I really don't, I, I don't think about time unless like I have, you know, a, a meeting or something and, and kind of like my, my watch is beeping. But, um, I mean, that's kind of like one of the nice parts, um, to me, you know, about like really loving what you do. You know, it's like, I, I just kind of like, I'm going through my day and enjoying my day and all of these kind of like different activities and um you know like then when you realize like you've been working you know for 18 or 20 hours and it's you know time to take a nap uh so that you're not you know on zero sleep before the next day it can be like a surprise sometimes even so um yeah
3: that's intense too yeah and i also just want to add that like we're talking about room hours but then i also think you know it it's in the same way luke has talked about homework i i think when you're running the show like it's expected that you're going to come in with a plan for the next day and, and know if we left the room stuck on something, you at least have the right question to get us on the road to fix it. If we left the room excited, you might come in with a critique like that. You're, you're ready to go. So I think, you know, we wrap at four and then we'll stay and talk for another hour, um, and plan stuff out or like, I I keep looking over here. Like I, I have a very elaborate calendar system that it just brings me great joy to update. And so, just kind of often doing those activities, as Alyssa so beautifully put it, um, that that make the room run smoother. And whether that's research, so that you can come in with the answer and don't have to wait a day for your fancy -fancy schmancy researcher to do it, Uh, or or just being organized and on top of things so people feel like there's that leadership and that we're not just like coming in like, uh, I mean, you might come in and not know what you're doing that day, but like knowing that somebody does just feels better. I think we've all been in those rooms where, where it's like, all right, who's got the idea? And you're like, oh God, <laughs> no one, no one has the idea.
2: <laughs> it's interesting how much writers who, many, and, and I'm only speaking of myself when I say many, um, are <laughs> terrible at time management. Um, and and it's like oh okay well now that's part of your job, mm-hmm. so have fun with that. Really like, great, <laughs> cool.
1: Yeah, learn to get organized as a writer on staff so that you can be organized when you are running your own show uh, or producing someone else's movie. <laughs> Let's wrap up, as we always do, by asking you what you are watching on television these days. what's getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about with your friends, your loved ones, uh, or the room that you're in um and Alyssa, let's start with you.
0: oh gosh um yeah i uh i watch I watch everything um like I have a lot of of guilty pleasures, but in terms of the ones that like I'm willing to admit, yeah, um in public. Um, what am I watching right now? Uh well I just finished um this like I just finished the season of alone. Um uh <laughs> yeah. People
1: keep telling me to watch those. That's literally what seems horrifying. I
2: was yeah, uh, that was on my list <laughs> of things. That was like
1: that was the first thing I
2: was gonna say. I was gonna be like, I'm contractually obligated as a Native American to say reservation dogs and <laughs> Rutherford Falls. Which so I also course. yeah. But alone loved.
0: so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it it is it is really um really amazing watch it if if you haven't but yeah Re- reservation dogs is i think like right now one of kind of like the only yeah um scripted i am watching so good um and then uh i watched all of a hundred foot wave uh the a surf documentary uh on on hbo max i watched a uh a documentary Misha and the wolves um, about, uh, about kind of like a, uh, a story, uh, a bestseller that, that kind of was a Holocaust story that, um, that had a a pretty huge twist. Um, yeah, it's really fun to me sometimes after doing like, you know, a day of fiction to, to kind of, yeah, get in the nonfiction vibe, uh, for, for viewing, but I mean, I watch absolutely everything. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's good i don't trust a tv writer who doesn't watch tv um lucas in addition to alone and uh the two half hours that you mentioned what else are you watching
3: yeah
2: i feel like i just i just shot my 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 joke and all, everything that i was gonna say um but yeah <laughs> so uh alone um every season it's amazing it's life or death it's the best thing ever and i'm do a you recommend
1: a bit... the uh the hot seasons or the cold seasons?
2: Okay, uh the best seasons are the cold seasons, in my opinion. That's mm-hmm. what I heard. Um mm-hmm. like by far, if you're gonna start season six is where everyone starts, and honestly, it's all right. one of the better ones. Um, but then they're okay. all good except for the beast, um mm. which is a spinoff, so it's not even doesn't even count. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. season eight was great as well. Yeah.
2: Six yeah. and eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all seasons. Um, any season with a hippie lady is the best season. Um <laughs> yeah. That's it, true of all TV. I I have a whole strategy of who's going to make it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, she'll always make it near the end. Like you can kind of figure out the top 4, and it's never it's never anyone who was like in the military or like who like stereotypically, it's always hippies. So just know that. Like hippies and weird <laughs> dudes who fall up. Like those are the people who make it sorry, I love alone. Um yeah, so besides those, uh I'm I'm developing IP, so like there are hundreds of episodes I have to watch uh and sorry for being annoying. <laughs> Very secretive. Um, so I'm currently like going through like 100 episodes oh of, of something um, very cool. Uh, but that's, that's fun. Yeah. And then horror movies. I watch a lot of horror movies. because I'm doing this really cool Anything recent
1: that you can recommend?
2: Yeah. So um, I love Shudder. Um, if you mm. can afford it, the $6 a month is really good. Um, mm. I, I recently watched this movie called, oh, that's on HBO Max. Everyone watch HBO Max because I'm a company man um uh mm-hmm. empty man was this weird thing with this weird twist. i just watched it last night yeah it was really fun <laughs> i mean like weird like that like i don't want to be like hey guys perfect movie but like it's fun no it's it's very a, fun. It's, a, it's enjoyable it's a good solid b and that's the great thing with horror in my opinion is nothing
1: has to be perfect in horror yeah mm. so Allie, what are you watching on television these days
3: Um, I have no guilt in saying what I'm watching, which is Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, and I don't watch on the night of, I watch the next day. So I've only seen one episode this season. I love it so much. Uh, And I'm watching iCarly because the finale is this week.
1: (laughs) Congratulations. Thank Um, you. We will all watch it and catch up if we haven't. Um, Thank you all so much for being here. This is, as I suspected, a delightful group.
0: Thank you. Lots to
1: take away from this. Come back and talk to us soon. Thank you. Um, Thanks, all.
2: Thank
0: you. Thank you, Ben. Forever
2: Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.